Our lessons for today are those for the Feast of the Epiphany, even though it's technically the second Sunday after Christmas. Immediately following the 12 days of Christmas, Epiphany is always on January 6th, and so sometimes gets overlooked in the grand scheme of things. But today's Gospel reading is appointed both for the second Sunday after Christmas Day and the Feast of the Epiphany, so I'm hoping that this will placate the liturgical police, if there are any here, and cover all the bases, okay? An epiphany is an aha moment when information or concepts seem to click into place and we have a clearer understanding of something or make some kind of a new connection. The ancient Greeks used the word to describe the phenomenon of revealing, of something being made known. In their thought world, the gods revealed themselves to humans as a means of manifesting their power and presence. And so it should come as no surprise that the early church adopted this term to speak of Christ Jesus as the manifestation of God's power and God's presence in the world. Epiphany is an old festival. Only Easter is older. And at first, Epiphany was celebrated to remember both Jesus' birth and his baptism. It was only much later that Christmas became a separate feast, focusing specifically on Jesus' birth. In the Western Church, that's us, remember, Epiphany traditionally observed the, visits of, the visit of the Magi to the child Jesus. In the Eastern Church, the feast focused on Jesus' baptism. Now, these seem to be very different, but in both East and West, the notions of, notion of God's revelation in Jesus Christ is proclaimed. The season that follows the Feast of the Epiphany is a mini green season whose length depends on the beginning of Lent. The first Sunday after Epiphany is always a celebration of the baptism of Christ and occasion for baptisms. The last Sunday is always a celebration of the Transfiguration, another Epiphany, when three of the disciples experience Christ's glory on the mountains before he turns his face to Jerusalem. And in between, the lectionary will give us an opportunity to reflect on how the Christian community lived out its faith in the past and how we are called to live out our faith today. So Epiphany season, while framed by dramatic events at beginning and end, seems to focus on how we live our everyday lives, both individually and as the community of faith in response to the good news. So our lessons this morning have two primary images. Our readings from Isaiah and the letter to the Ephesians speak of light and the revealing of mystery. The prophet Isaiah speaks of a light that carries with it the power of transformation. Israel will be so transformed that even outsiders will be drawn to its light. The author of the letter to the Ephesians speaks of 
God's mysterious ways that include the Gentiles, that's us again, among all God's people. Those who dwell in the light are led by it to proclaim the inclusion of outsiders. Coupled with this emphasis on light is royal imagery found in the psalm and Matthew, the imagery of kingship and enthronement. In ancient Israel, an important aspect of kingship concerned the protection and liberation of those not able to protect or liberate themselves. The magi, sometimes referred to as kings, are at the same time outsiders. Not only are they foreign people, Gentiles, but they are astrologers, an occupation considered suspect by the Torah. We are so used to thinking about the coming of the wise ones as part of the Christmas story. We see their image on Christmas cards. I had a friend whose Christmas was not complete unless she got a card with an image of the three wise men and the star. There was something lucky about that. We see their image on Christmas cards, and they always make an appearance as part of Christmas pageants. But in reality, we should banish those bathrobes and Burger King crowns. <laughs> this, this story is very different from Luke's nativity. It, and forces us to make a dramatic shift in thinking. Exit shepherds, enter wise ones. Exit stables, enter palaces. Exit poverty, enter wealth. Exit angels, enter dreams. Exit Mary's lullaby, enter Rachel's wail. This story follows the birth narrative but it's not really part of it. If we take it out of the Christmas pageant, we see that it is an announcement story with three important messages. First, Christ appears not for Israel alone, and the good news, but God's glory has far-reaching implications. Second, Jesus is announced as the true King of Israel. It's no accident that the story tells us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. And third, there is hostility to Jesus and the good news that he brings. Hostility that begins with the political and religious establishment. We see this in Herod's killing of the innocent children, but know it to be more pernicious the good news has its enemies. Expressions of love arouse hatred, and speaking the truth causes a backlash of lies and deception. Epiphany is so much more than the picture on the Christmas card or the singing of We Three Kings, though I'm not disparaging the singing of We Three Kings. Did you catch the verse about the myrrh? Myrrh is mine, it's bitter perfume. It's not exactly deck the halls with boughs of holly, is it? <laughs> Epiphany offers us a radical vision of unexpected people, places, and ways to encounter God's grace. From beyond our sanctuary walls and our closed doors, new hope 
new light and new family march to meet us, to challenge us, and to offer us new ways to encounter God's redemptive grace. As, as the new year offers us once again a chance to begin anew, so Christmas and Epiphany offer us a chance to reorient our lives and our priorities in order that we might experience the light and hope that dawn from the east and participate in the reign of God. That reign that is inextricably linked to the cries and plight of the poor and needy. The wise ones did not settle in Bethlehem and build new palaces. They probably didn't actually even need to be warned in a dream not to return to Jerusalem, but to go home by a different route. Perhaps Matthew is offering us a gift in this story to help us as we attempt to lead a new life and are confronted with new beginnings. Nothing is the same. We can't take the old road again. We need to unfold a new map and discover an alternate path. Is there anxiety in that? Of course there is. But we know that God's grace is there to guide us, just as it guided the wise ones. Amen.